1: things counted as nothing at all and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important how many of you know that that um, that the world has a system now let me talk to you about what the world is a difference between the world and the earth the world is a system that satan set up to pretty much try to usurp god's authority satan is Still adamant, and he's deceived enough to believe that if he tries hard enough and get enough human beings uh, on his side, that he can somehow, in the end, overthrow the inevitable, which is God coming and setting up rule, um, forever uh, with the banishment of all sin and anything that's not like Him. So this is interesting. What he does, he 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 gets us to believe along with him sometimes. Oh put put verse twenty eight back up there. I want to show them something. That that um that that if we consider something important enough, then it can make a difference. This I want to start from there tonight to talk to you about um this gift that God excuse me that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. That's the title for tonight is the um the gift of Jesus Christ. And what happens to us is that we we because of our lack of insight, our lack of understanding, we tend to to give importance to things that are in natural, things that we can see, things that we can touch, things that we understand. And we say, if I only had blank, then, now, then my life would be better if this were like that. And so I've, I've been counseling people um, digitally. What that means is I'm getting emails and I'm responding. One of the biggest problems I see is when people have problems they, and you tell them, well, Jesus Christ and you begin to share Christ as the answer, that thing is like, well, I don't think you understand. And so they explain it some more and get deeper and then you see, you, OK, that's wonderful. But then you say, well, the Lord. And then they say, no, pastor, you see, you're spiritualizing it. And, and they accuse me of, of spiritualizing the their problem when they don't understand the problem is it, it's not natural. It's spiritual. See, now you're naturalizing it. You got it? I'm not spiritualizing it. The problem is when you bring the problem to me, it's it's so wrapped in natural that when I take it and unravel it, pull it out of the natural wrapping and show you that it's spiritual, that you say I'm spiritualizing it. And so now there's a standoff because here's the thing. You want it fixed. If you want it fixed, it can't be fixed naturally. Because it's not a natural problem. The Bible, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it said that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's principalities, powers, or there's spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy is, is that he's using this thing called the world. And the worst thing he can do to you is to get your eyes off of what the real problem is. And the real problem is, is, is that there's an absence of spiritual life there. I'll give you a good example. Now, you know, when you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor, uh, you have a certain ailment. Doctor said, well, I want you to take this prescription. You, you tend to get the impression that what's wrong with your body is it doesn't have enough ibuprofen in it. Think about this. Uh, and so for, for years, when I first moved to Dothan, whatever, the wire grass I don't know what wire grass is, but I had just the worst allergies. And so every week I would get two shots in each arm twice a week, four, t- four shots per week. And my mind began to be programmed that those shots were so important that I couldn't go without the shots. And then one day someone challenged me. They said, "You act like what they're injecting into you is the missing ingredient to your health." As if your body ran out of the stuff they're injecting into you and without that stuff, you can, "No, this is a spiritual problem. It's not medical. You can medicalize it, but it's actually spiritual. You got it? So every problem that we, we bring to the house of God or that we ex- experience right now, every bondage issue, every failure issue, every um, um, finance issue, it's actually spiritual. Someone wrote me about tithing, and they said, Pastor, here's a problem. And I get finished um, paying my bills. I mean, um, I don't hardly have any money left. And I started asking, I said, what you, what you have left... Because they they would tell me that apparently the money, from what I understand, was being taken out of their checks. So by the time they got the actual money, it was just enough to pay one bill, and then they had a little bit left. So I asked them, I said, said, does what you have left, is it able to be divided by 10? And they said, well, yeah. I said, give God 10% of it. And in their mind, they said, but it just seemed like it's a money thing. I said, no, 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 you see, you're monetizing it. But it's a spiritual issue. You see, you see what we do? This is what the Bible is talking about right here. God chose that those things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world, what Satan tells you is important. Now look at verse, verse 29. It says, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Look at verse 30. And it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, now watch this now, God made him to be wisdom itself. God made him to be wisdom. Christ uh, made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Now give me the Amplified Bible because I'm going to give you different looks at this. Lord, this is always so nice and long. But it is from him that you you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made Wisdom, our wisdom from God revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as, as our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God. And our consecration, making, making us pure and holy and our redemption, providing our ransom from eternal penalty for sin. Here's what he said. He said in Christ, God did everything that we needed to be done. But notice this. All of it is Spiritual. What about the money, what about the monetary part? What about the other part? He, he, no need for it. Because in God's mind, I take care of the spiritual issue, and it takes care of everything else. Now, I want you to follow me tonight because I want to I walk through some scriptures and see can I, uh, to not help us to, to get the resolution that we need. In, in the Bible, there's a story. Go to John chapter 3, verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14, and I want us to look at verse 18. Jesus came, this is on the tail end of, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, who's one of the the, uh, ruling members of of Sanhedrin, he comes to Jesus by night because he's troubled. As a matter of fact, flip back up to verse 1, I want us us to look at this. In verse 1, the Bible says, um, uh, John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus. A Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Verse 2 says, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now look at verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now when we read this, we try to translate the word see into a whole lot of other things. But here's what he said. Unless you are born again, you can't even see. You can't visualize what God is trying to do. In verse four, he goes on to say, um, Nicodemus said, what do you mean? How can a man, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born? What did he just do? He naturalized it. And that's what we tend to do. What we always do is when God says something we don't understand, instead of saying, explain to me, we take it and we naturalize it. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, um, It's it's a funny thing. How many of you follow me on, on social media, any social media? Okay, now, you don't know. I've been doing something for years. 20, maybe I started this church 20 years ago. Uh, so about 22 years ago, I started to save outlines. I would document it. My gift is document, documentation research. And I researched stuff and then I, I, I just documented it out. And I save it. I save it on a hard drive. I would transfer hard drives until I got up to close to 4,000 outlines I saved for my son, Ray. When Ray got old enough, Ray, Ray inherited my gift and I taught him what I did. So when I presented him with the outline, he said, well, I don't need him. I could do that for myself. At first I was really offended. I've been saving this for 20 years for you, boy. But, he, but his thing was he got the same joy out of researching and documenting that I got. So he was having so much joy doing it for himself. The problem is, is that he just snubbed 20 years of his father's wisdom, 20 years of research, 20 years of me writing out stuff that God shared with me. He just, because he could do it himself, we do that all the time. Now let me tell you what I started to do. So I got on social media and I, and I started posting all this wisdom. And here's a lot of you don't know this. I actually I call it public storage because there's a trick I'm going to show you tonight. And and I'm, I'm using I was I was, my time of wisdom, and God said use as an illustration. It was an interesting illustration. I'm going to show you how to access you, anything you want to know my thoughts on. I store them for you publicly. It's true. You can access them anytime you want to. Now, here's the funny thing. It's been there from 2008. Two things happened. Number one, I didn't know there could be accessed like that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, after I found out, I never told you. It's interesting. Do you know how many things that God has solved and resolved for you that you don't know about yet? You know how many gifts that you have, that have been given to you by God in Jesus Christ that you never opened? All because you don't understand how valuable and how important he is? So Nicodemus is standing in front of his answer. But he doesn't want, he, what he's, he's, he, has, he has a preset um, set of questions he wants answers from the Lord. And the Lord is going to say, listen, the Lord knows what he's going after. So instead of, Jesus does not waste time. Many times when you go to God in prayer, God doesn't waste time telling you what you think you want to know. He doesn't waste time telling you, he doesn't waste time answering your questions. He goes right to your answer. And because, you don't, because you've already naturalized it, monetized it, medicalized it, or whatever, when he, when he gives you the spiritual answer, you're like, and sometimes we walk away thinking, he didn't give me what I wanted. So stay close. I want to show you this. So he asks, can I go back into my mother's womb? Verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no man can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. And he begins to talk about things that demons don't know about. Well, it leads down to verse 14. In, in, the, in this dialogue, Jesus goes down to, and he's saying all kinds of things. He's actually sharing a lot with Nicodemus, but he gets to verse 14. Go down there for me. And he, sa- and he says, as Moses, now, he, now, now Nicodemus being a Pharisee, Jesus begins to make reference to things that he knows about. And here's the Bible says, Jesus, and Moses lifted up the, the, uh, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 15. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. That's what he says. He says, He said, just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, he said, Nicodemus, you do remember that story. The same way that serpent was lifted up, he said, That's how I'm going to be lifted up. And when that happens, everyone who believes in me is going to have a change. And as he goes to verse 16, he says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one. And only son, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God, God wants to save the world through Jesus Christ. And look at verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Here's the thing. Here's what Jesus said. He said, anyone that's going to stand in judgment and be rejected by God will be rejected for one thing. They just didn't believe in God's one and only son. Now, I could preach a lot about this, but I think it will help you more. If I take you back, I've done it recently within this last eight or nine months, maybe ten months, and I've shown you this story, but I want to take you back again to the book of Numbers, because I want to show you this thing he's making reference to. He's making reference to Numbers chapter 21, and and go to verse 4. Let let me tell you what had just happened. Jesus said, just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, he said, "When, when I'm lifted up like that, everything is going to change.
0: Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. And now, A word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Uh Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the App Stores for iTunes and Google Play. That's it? Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart and empower your walk. Yo. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers,
1: Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because you know it it really takes faith to pray. You You have to trust that God is like a person, He's a real person, and that He's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn
0: how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Join Pastor Hart Ramsey and the NCC family for Watch Night 2018. Yeah! Featuring special guest, three-time Grammy Award nominee, Kim Burrell. Well, he
1: woke me up this morning and started me on my Way. Gave me grace and strength just to see another day It's a new day, yes it is Holla.
0: Join Pastor Hart Ramsey along with special guest Kim Burrell and the stellar award nominated NCC Family Choir for Watch Night 2018 yeah. December 31st, 200 dome lane in dothan alabama oh, yeah. doors open at 8:30 p.m service begins at 9 p.m no matter what you've experienced in 2018 2019 is for the better i know you're gonna dig this watch night 2018 be there be there now let's get back to today's teaching with pastor hart ramsey
1: in the predominantly black church, in the African-American church, when I first came to church, they were singing variations of a song. The theme was Lift Jesus Higher. If you're Baptist, you know it one way. If you're Pentecostal, you know it another way. If you're Presbyterian, you probably don't know it at all. But it's a variation of this song, Lift Him Up. And the, and, and the saints will go in, and their thing is we, they, we have translated, let's just now, or we have churchified it to the point where lift Jesus up means praise him. So I said, lift him up. We have taken it from from the spiritual, and we have churchified it to the point where we we do everything. We translate what God or transform what God is doing into something that's manageable. But that's what the Pharisees were guilty of. They dumbed the law down, and they made the law something external. So when Jesus was preaching the Sermon of the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, but now I say unto you. For example, you heard it said, "Thou shalt not commit adultery." But I say unto you, if a man even looks at a woman, to lust after he's, he has already done it. Here's the issue: if, if when a guy, when you go, you externally commit adultery, oh, we have nothing to do with you. But you, internally, you do it all the time. But in your mind, well, at least I didn't go and do it. And it, as far as God is concerned, if the inside is like that, the outside is like that too. You heard it said that He said, "You've heard it said, Thou shalt not murder." But I say unto you, if you hate your brother, you have already murdered him. And what he did to the Pharisees, he arrested them, and he, take, he took their, their, their hypocrisy of making everything external, externalizing it, and he again made it spiritual. He made it, he made it an internal thing. Follow where we're going with this because it's going to help you. See, every problem that you have in your life, every problem that I have in my life, what we tend to do is we tend to uh, put it into a realm where we think we can manage it, and it always becomes overwhelming. So your medical condition is not getting better because you medicalized it. And your financial problem is not getting better because you financialized it. But you have to understand something. When you got born again, everything about you became spiritual. Nothing about your life is natural. Nothing. And the, the, the quicker you stop naturalizing your problems, the easier they will be for God to solve them. Because here's what I just said. Only God can solve your problem. Everybody say out loud. Say, only God, only God can, solve can solve my problem. Here's the situation. The Bible says, then the, the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, H-O-R, Mount Hor. Let me tell you what this place was. Mount Hor was the place where they grieved the death of Aaron. The first high priest, the inaugural high priest of the nation of Israel, he died, and they grieved him for 30 days. And after they got finished grieving, the Bible says they, 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 they left Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. As a matter of fact, uh, um, give me King James. I want to show him a word. The Bible says this, uh, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Everyone said, because of the way. Sometimes God will choose a way for you that, that is supposed to develop you and help you uh, uh, process what you just went through, but it's discouraging to you. It discourages you, and here's why. Because what God, when God chooses a road for us to come out of something, or a, road, a way for us to, to uh, recover from something, He never intends for it to be handled with our hands. And so there are times when you say, I just need a friend, and God said, no, you need to be alone. Because you think with people around you, you're going to heal, and God says, no, well, to, for me to heal you, Now, for you to get healed, for you to get this pseudo, fake, false, fluffy feeling of healing, you need a whole bunch of folk around you talking to yourself, and comforting yourself, oh, you going to be better, and God says, for me to heal you, I need you to be totally alone. Amen. I need you to be completely by yourself. I want, I want you to... I need you in a place where you could just blurt out prayers, blurt out complaints. I want you to be able to fuss at the top of your voice and nobody there to hear you. I want you listen, I, he said there'll be times when I'm getting that junk out of you, you're gonna haul off and cuss. I don't want nobody to know how to hear you when you say what you're gonna say. Amen. Heard <laughs> Pastor Brian was telling a story about when his house was broken into. He said he had a little tantrum. He told the Lord, he said, he said well, you won't take care of my house, I won't take care of yours. <laughs> and sometimes we have those moments. If, if you, how many of you ever had a moment like that with God? You know what it says? You have relationship. Sometimes, I love my mama. Sometimes we go at it. And one of the real awkward things about our, our dynamic is sometimes I say things to her that she said to me when I was little. And it ticks her off. Where you get that from? You told it to me. It just means we have a relationship. Correct? Now watch this. So now the Bible says they journeyed, uh, they journeyed from um, Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. They circled the world, come past the circular land of Edom. And the, people, the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way that God chose for them to go. Verse 5 says this. It says, and they began to speak against God. They began to say that there's no way God could know what he's doing. This is too hard. It's, it's overwhelming. It's beyond our ability to cope with this. You're killing us. What kind of God are you? You know how I was raised. You asked me to do things I can't do. I can't even understand it. If you want me to tag, why don't you just give me more money? No, for real. I mean, come on. That's how you think about it. I never have enough. You always ask me to do stuff. I ain't, I'm tired. I ain't going to church because I have to, they make me work long. I ain't going to church. And you, the way that God chooses for you causes you to complain against him. Not only God, but Moses gets it too. The leader that God sets over you always gets to put up with your discouragement of the way that God chose for you. Most of the time, you're not mad with the church. You're mad with God. You're just taking that on me. I'm just saying. Whenever, whenever leadership struggles or malfunction in a church, the reason people leave is because they don't want to see that. Because what they're looking for, watch this now, they have humanized their salvation. They've humanized their salvation. So in, in, in their deception that they, that they are perfect, they want to surround themselves with everything that's perfect, including leadership and friendship. You got it? And relationships are right, there has to, there's this, this uh, false uh, security of perfection. And when it cracks, then they go running to look for it again. And the Lord will always make sure that whatever they try to make an idol, whatever they idolize, he will violently destroy before their very eyes. God is aggressively destroying your idols. Anything you look to beside him, he's going to tear it down. He wants to tear it down. Now look at this now. He says, the Bible says, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have, you, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manner. Now, we ain't not say nothing about it before. But now, since we talk about it, <laughs> wow. there ain't nothing to eat out here. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say you have manna, but that's not even food. Have you ever got like that? We just had a meltdown. You just tore everybody off. We just... You, know, you 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 you, decide, you know, your, your kid brings this thing in the house and it's okay, I'll let them have it. When you're going off over here and saying, by by the way, that right there, get out of my house right now. Well, <laughs> that's what this is. This is a tantrum. They have had it. They don't understand God. They don't trust him anymore because they don't know what he's doing. Folk are dying. Aaron just, Aaron just died. If, in their minds, they were like, Aaron is God's man. If Aaron dies, what about us? And it scared them. The Bible says in verse 6, So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. And you say, well, God is, no, 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 I won't tell you what happened. When they began to speak against the only one that could protect them and speak against the one that he sent to lead them and declare that what he provided for them was insufficient, God says, if you don't want me to be your God, I just won't be. In the Hebrew, there is no There's no active verb. I mean, there's no passive verb rather. So there was no way they could write and say, and the Lord allowed snakes to come. So because God allowed it, it had to be written and God sent the snake. God didn't send snakes, snake. He just said, well, okay, since I'm not good enough for you, I just step back. And the Bible says, and what happened to them, what they didn't realize was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day was going before them and snakes will not even come near their camp. They thought there were no snakes in the wilderness or in the desert because they didn't see any. And what God says was, okay, really? You, I'm not doing a good job? So God said, I'll tell you what. Let's not, let me stop doing what I've been doing so you can see what you should have been getting. Yeah. Years ago in this church, in Sanctuary 1, we, I, buried, I buried the, the, um, the 16-year-old um, child, a uh, handicapped child of one of our beloved members. And we had a different kind of home-going service. In the home-going service, the family gathered and sat on the front row and I was, I was the only presiding minister. They wanted just private between the family and I. And then they wanted, after I sermonized them, they wanted me to field their questions. It was the strangest homegrown service I ever did. His name was Aaron. I don't know if you remember Aaron. How many of you remember Aaron? He was with us in the beginning. When Aaron died, I mean, there was a lot of questions. And so um, one of the questions the family wanted to know was this. They said, why was Aaron born like this? Why did God do that to us? And out of nowhere, when I was going to give one, one of them deep um, um, theological answers, the Spirit of God just quickened me, and here's what I said. What you don't know is every child is supposed to be born like that. It's the mercy of God that any child is born well because sin is, has distorted this whole system of reproduction. David said, in, he said, in my mother's womb, I was conceiving iniquity. He's supposed to be, every, we're all born with some kind of deformity. I said, his was deformity was on the outside. I said, but I give you, and the Spirit of God fell on me. I said, but by the Spirit of God, I give you this promise. And I pointed to the mother, I said, when you get to heaven, and you see your son and embrace him, you won't even recognize him because he'll be perfectly <laughs> fitted into his body. Spirit of God fell, hands lifted, we worship, and we dismissed. They didn't see snakes, so they thought, thought, well, uh, uh, the uh, the writer, the Holy Spirit inspires them. They can't, in in the Hebrew again, there is no passive verb. There was no way for them to write God allows. He says, God sent poisonous snakes among them, and many were bitten, and many died. There's a problem. Look at verse 7. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord, and we have sinned by speaking against... Wow, it's funny how our leaders are up in front of us, and some leaders are comical. Have you ever had a leaders that are real funny? They have these. I, I had. Um, <coughs> I, I, I was sitting under a man. Um, how many of you remember Father Washington? <laughs> Brother Washington used to play guitar. He could barely sing, Greg. I mean, I mean, he could. Barely, I mean, he get a He gets a key, and he starts saying he loved Jesus. He really did, but his voice didn't tell it. And he's up there singing. And sometimes he'd be able to sing, I'd be sitting there thinking, oh God, hurry up. Just start, just just put the guitar down and preach. And I've sat through many of uh, 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 meeting with him where he sang. So I had a group years ago. Everybody said a long time ago. I had a group and we were in Birmingham and I hadn't seen him in years. And we, were, we we had prepared our set, and we were, we signed to a record company, we were full of ourselves. And we were in the service, and the service was flowing, and then someone bringing me a note. So we, we end the song and one of my, my, my singers up there, and they're talking and they're saying, um, you know, they, they're introducing the next song, minister to the people. The note says, the songs that you're playing are not anointed. Here's a suggested list of songs to play. <laughs> Signed, Harry Washington. So I'm looking up and looking for him. He's out there in the front row going, he's waving to me. I'm thinking, I say, oh.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Hart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC Family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. Org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.